Welcome, everyone, to another episode of The Few Unk, The Unk Few, The Few, The Few, The Unk, The Few. Uh, we're just going to jump right into it today. We're just going to jump right the frick into it. That podcast you shared with me, oh my God. Sam Harris, yeah. If you listen to it, which I assume you did. Oh yeah, listen to the whole thing. Well, I've now listened to the whole thing twice. And he spends an insane amount of time just on preparing his audience for what he was going to say. Sam Harris gets into a lot of trouble because he goes through so much ground clearing. It's not really until he said it that I really felt like, holy moly, this is really true because even I feel this, is when he was like, people are afraid to say what they really think right now. Yeah. And I thought, yeah, that's that's kind of exactly how I feel. I mean, I pretty much agree with most of the protesters and, and, you know, are, are saying, but even I'm afraid to, like, say anything that even deviates a little bit because they just are most... That's who they attack the hardest, I think. So the fact that a person of his stature, mm-hmm. who clearly has an audience, I mean, I don't know what his audience is, but I assume it's large. Yeah, it's huge. And the fact that he has that much of an audience, that much of a reputation, and here in 2020, he's making the kind of effort he made in that podcast yesterday to, as you call it, ground clear, just to try to insulate himself from what he knows is coming is really sad. And especially given the fact that he did such a, an amazing job of basing everything on what appeared to be facts. And they were so overwhelming. I mean, I never heard anybody ever accumulate all those stats and present them in the manner that he did. I mean, it was so powerful. Yep. It was so powerful. It's like if I believe if the if the entire country would be forced to listen to that and really listen to it, that enough people would be moved. What a difference that would make. And, and when you hear all that shit and then you look at what's going on and him I and he says it straight up a bunch of times, you know, where this is just not in keeping with what's going on in the world. These facts don't line up. This is just like the fairest take, the most even keeled fairest take he can possibly deliver. I mean, that's why it's like a two hour long podcast is right. because He's just very methodically going through, let's yep. look at the facts and the evidence. I think he's right in that the media is absolutely overblowing a lot of this. And it's just a real lightning rod for all the people they want to activate. Yep. And I mean, there's just no denying that's true. Oh, yeah. And all the people who want to gain political power, political by power, yeah, positions of authority, issue. cultural relevance. All of those people have a dog in this fight. One of the points that he's making that I think is really good. We need to uncouple a lot of these very specific points from this completely conflated conversation. I remember thinking, even listening to him recount those facts, it's like, it's so weird. I have to admit this is true. Like, my body doesn't want to believe that that's true. When he's recounting the facts on like black on black crime and the percentage of the of of the amount of crime perpetrated in black communities versus white communities, yep. like and he's he's naming off the data, and I have to admit that I'm like I really don't want to believe this is true because it makes the conversation far more complicated for somebody who said all the shit I said on our podcast the other day. Like I have to completely admit that that's the case. This is where Sam Harris is going to take the most shit in this two hour long he's gonna so many people who have an agenda are gonna just just clip that audio part and misrepresent his entire argument to just mean that totally yep i wonder how much airtime of this particular podcast that he's did of this two hours is you know basically dedicated to him essentially telling you what he's not saying so that people listening don't fly off the handle and accuse him of a bunch of shit. Well, that's what I was trying to say with my opening remark about, you know, all of the ground clearing he did and all of the, you know, uh, uh, qualifying that he did and the repeating of things. That's I'm not saying that the police doesn't have problems. I'm not saying that reform isn't needed, but I am saying, and you, I mean, you made the same point in this conversation right now that, you know, the, the, you didn't say it just like this, but this this dovetails from what you did say that I agree with you that and with most people that the police there is a police problem. There is a problem with police in America. That's that's a topic. Yeah. Another topic is whether blacks are treated in a racist manner as a subset of that. 
Yep. And I completely disagree with that. Yeah. And that's that's essentially what he was saying. Well, I think what he's saying is whether or not that's true, it's a more complicated and deeper issue requiring of its own conversation and investigation, none of which is possible. When he goes into detail about just the the, the complication of things that the police have to deal with, and he's oh, yeah. like, you know, and then he says, look at this video, ask yourself these questions. Does this video prove... And yep. then he goes through like three or four different points. Does this video prove? And I have to admit, like, this is where my education as a philosopher came in. And I was like, he's exactly right. This this video supports zero cases of anything outside of it. And we don't know what led up to this. I think we can all agree, and he even says in the podcast that this this was this was un this is unwarranted. That this was obviously Officer Chauvin and the people who were around him should not have done what they did. I mean, I think everybody knows that. Yep. You know, however, he makes a good point where he's like, none of that proves a case that, you know, that the police existed yeah, in that, that instance. Yeah. And the second thing, I mean, he doesn't mention this in the podcast and I wish he had, which is like, there is very clearly, I mean, he does mention that Daniel Chauvin has like a history of, uh, yep, you know, things against him, but he doesn't mention the fact that like, it's it looks and then all the evidence points to the idea that the Minneapolis police department has really had a problem for a while and people have been trying to solve it and their attempts at a solution have not been working. Sam Harris even makes this point again to like in the even handedness of his uh, approach here is he's like, let's imagine there wasn't a video. Would any of this have even happened? And that's, that's honestly kind of terrifying to think about, which is you're like these these motherfuckers, this guy specifically, who and I think we can maybe agree is a not a good guy, Daniel Chauvin, right? Um, with the track record of stuff behind him, would have gotten away with this and would have continued to do it. And if it wasn't George Floyd, it might have been it might have been a white dude, uh, you know what I mean? It might have been anybody. And I think I think that's kind of sorry to get worked up about this, but just to return, I think to one of the points I made in the prior conversation we had this George Floyd situation made me feel like this could happen to me like you know what I mean it it, it could ha it could happen to anybody that like the police come over and overreact I think one thing you're skipping past though is when you said oh this could happen to me yeah it could if you were a fucking idiot I mean the common denominator and I don't want to say all because I don't know that but in all the ones that I do know where it appears that the police overreacted and killed a black person I haven't seen one yet where there wasn't some degree of resistance put up first. Mm. And that's another big point. It was interesting because when I listened to that podcast the first time, I didn't catch that there were like two separate and distinct places where Harris talked at length about – and he was so careful with how he said this. But it appears maybe blacks resist more than anybody else. Now, maybe there's a good reason for that, and that's, you know, he kind of wrapped that around the the part about how the police look like they rough black people up more than anybody else. Yep. So maybe it's justified, or maybe they just resist more. <laughs> I mean, you know what I mean? It's almost a self-fulfilling prophecy that if you think the police are going to fuck with you, then how do you, how do you, how do you respond? Because in my opinion, what I would do is exact opposite of what appears they actually do. I would just be so super polite that it would make it almost impossible for them to do anything. But I, I just never see that. Like in Michael Brown, which Harris mentioned that specifically, you know, the whole thing about if you, if you go at a cop, the cop has to assume there's a chance he's, he's going to lose his gun. Yep. I mean, that's just common sense. And the fact that Harris even said, I guess this isn't obvious to lots of people. Like to me, that's just, you know, like that's the first thought I have in, in any of these conversations is, well, of course, the cop cannot let his weapon be taken. I mean, one, his own life's at risk. And, you know, anybody that's crazy enough to fucking fight a cop, I would assume if I were that cop, that that guy, if he gets that gun, there's a high probability he's going to shoot me. Oh, dude, I mean, he's crazy enough to fight a cop. I mean, you said it yourself. Right, yeah, like, the cops just have such a difficult job. Like, it's almost an, an impossible job. And I think this is partially why, you know, when we talked previously in the other show, it 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 kind of makes sense to not have one type of police guy to respond to every right. single yep, yep, situation yep. is because it you know there's not always a there's not always a, a need for you know a guy with a gun to show up necessarily but he does have a really good point in the sense that he he's like this is the most armed society on the planet i mean i have to admit this i would not want to be a police officer who gets a phone call 
in Minneapolis about a domestic disturbance and think, okay, I'll not take my gun because I have no freaking idea what I'm walking into. Right. And I have to admit that that's a pretty scary, if you're that guy in that position, that's not something I would want to do. The conclusions or the predictions he makes about, Mm -hmm. you know, it's called the Ferguson effect. Yeah. About, you know, if you think things were fucked up before, well, the, here's the, here's the end result of what's going to happen now. First of all, thousands of police officers are going to quit. Who the fuck would do this job? Yeah. Who, 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 you, you just couldn't pay me enough to do this job. And, you know, this is the fact that you do anything wrong and, you know, thinking that you're going to be responsible potentially for the next, uh, series of riots that break out. But, but, you know, cops are just not going to show up for shit. They're just not going to. And, and who does that hurt the most? Blacks. I mean, how many times he said something like, well, you know who this, this, this philosophy hurts or this end result hurts. Yeah, it's black, black, black business owners, black yep. pe- communities yep. of color. And then also his comments about people who claim victimhood when they're exaggerating. You know, that hurts the cause. I mean, he must have said this hurts liberals. This hurts Democrats. This hurts the black community. This, you know, my favorite line in the whole show was, I haven't heard anyone within a thousand miles of Black Lives Matter acknowledge any of what I just said, which is the whole distinction about Michael Brown trying to take a, trying to take a weapon and how how, uh, you know, that whole ar- that whole side of the argument has lumped all of these incidents together as if they're all the same. Yep. And none of them are the same. Yeah. A lot of them are different. I just want to say a couple of things because you said a lot and then we can uh, we should we should move on. But one of them is that I think that what my you know, friends of color would say is about, about the police is that there, there is so little trust, I think in that community because they don't, they feel like they're so hassled by the police that they don't feel that they, I think that there's a lot of anger and animosity. I mean, I have to admit that if I truly yeah, okay, felt, but, but even if that's true and I'm, I don't deny that. I don't argue that. I think that I, I, I think that's very possible, mm-hmm. but What's the right response to that? To just be more militant? It didn't make any sense because you know how that ends. Yeah. That's, it, the part, that's the part where I get the – I'm the most staunch in defending my side of this, which is even if everything you say is correct, the fact that you deal with it the way that you do, you're an idiot. If you yeah. want to get killed, that's how. Yeah. I mean this is the social contract, which is that I'm giving up my right to use violence against someone hassling me in order to have an external institution have that that monopoly on violence to enforce laws so that we treat each other civilly. I think that the best argument I've heard for why this is breaking down is that Trevor Noah made this video a while ago, and his arguments on it are actually pretty good. I don't know if you've seen it. For these people, their half of the social contract has, has broken down. I mean, the, the details on the stop-and-frisk policy in New York is right, just— Yeah, I, I, know, I know that. Yeah. So— just using that example, I think if I lived in a place where this was happening to me a lot, I would. I think I would be so angry that my passion would cloud my reason, and I would just be like, "This just the shit just needs to stop." The defunding of the police, I think, when you hear it, I mean, Sam Harris has a great point about it, which is like this plays right into the hands of all of Trump supporters and people who want to keep him in office, and it Absolutely. makes liberals look nuts. Yep. And I have to admit that it does like it. And I mean, I'm even in kind of support for part of it. I think that police should receive more training. But I think that, you know, the solution is to take some of the maybe military style money that these guys are getting and channeling it towards other forms of community law enforcement and support. I think that that makes sense. But calling it defund. I mean, just calling it defunding the police is is sounds nuts. Even though I agree with what you said a minute ago about all this shit ultimately helps Trump, there's a very strong argument on the other side that it does just the opposite, that it's like even if you believe that there's conspiracies going on and you believe that this shit, at least some of it, is manufactured, I'd be willing to bet you that there are some conservatives out there who would look at this and say, listen, I I know that this isn't Trump's fault, but I can't live with this shit any longer. So if if. I would rather have peace under Joe Biden or whoever the fuck shows up for, you know, the Democratic side. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, I'd rather have peace uh, because the because the truth of the matter is and I, know, I don't think you'll agree with this, but I mean, I'm 100 percent sure of it for me is 
when the roles are reversed, you don't have this level of opposition from conservatives. When when Obama was at his peak, were there a lot of Obama haters? Fuck yes. But were they rioting? Were they burning shit down? No, they weren't. So so I think there's a lot of conservatives out there who would be looking at this and living through this thinking, I got kids to raise. And even though politically I hate this shit, I need some peace. I yeah. need peace to raise a family. So even though everything against me hates everything the liberals stand for, I still may vote that way, just hoping that that makes this shit stop. So my, my point simply is there's that school of thought, I think, that, you know, that all of this is intended to be to make America look so out of control. And by extension, that's all that's all fucking Trump's fault. So, I mean, I think that's an obvious school of thought. There are conservatives who I know who voted Trump in the last election who now are reluctantly going, ah, all right, I'll vote for Biden because I just really don't think I can stand four more years of this. And I think they accurately assess that this is probably going to be the norm moving forward if Trump gets elected a second time. I think that in fact, I think it actually it actually get, it will get worse. I think that the— But let me just make a real quick comment, and you can continue. I just want to make a real quick comment because by the time you finish, I might forget it. Sure, go ahead. I don't disagree, but I think here's what will change. Here's what I think will be different if Trump gets reelected. I agree with you. The, 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 the opposition will continue, but with no future reelection at stake, my prediction is that Trump will then just have a completely different reaction to all this shit. Right now, he's trying to appear moderate. I believe I think he's holding back because because having an overreaction like militarily or police wise will will not serve him well. I believe that's what I think the liberals want him to do. So I think he's waiting. And then once he gets reelected, I think you'll see him just roll out the fucking whatever. He'll roll out the guns, the people. He'll shut that shit down. I just don't think he wants to do it now for political reasons. And I've been thinking that for a while. So sorry, go on. Yeah, I think that I think that's a good point and I think that that also scares some conservative friends of mine where they think, look, this guy is not I didn't I don't want a dictator and I think that this guy thinks that he really can move in that direction and I I find this so odd, I guess because I I think that Trump likes power. I think he likes powerful people. I think he likes, and I think he's unprincipled. And those two things together make him dangerous in that regard and need to have him be checked by other branches of government, which is happening. It's not like that stuff isn't happening. I think that he genuinely hates the demonstrators. I think he genuinely hates the people who are showing up and don't like him and are disagreeing with him. I don't think he sees them as members of his own par- country, even. Are the protesters... I mean, I, don't get me wrong. I understand some of those people are protesting Trump, but, I mean, aren't most of them, at least the ones that are out at the moment, aren't they Aren't they protesting police brutality and, race, and discrimination more than a direct attack on him? I understand lots of people attach those things to him, yep. but the point is those are attachments to him, not the main point being protested at the moment. I think, to be perfectly honest, Uncle Mike, I think a lot of them see the two issues as nearly synonymous. And Which makes no sense to me at all. Well, let me try to let me try to pull this in to make a little more sense to you. Trump has not really said much about. Uh, I mean, he's basically attacked the protesters, and uh, I mean, f- literally given orders to attack them, and. Meanwhile, he tweeted about a bunch of alt-right, racist, right-wing racists in Charlottesville that some of them are pretty good people. And I think that that is enough to... I mean, you know, David Duke talked about supporting the president, and the president didn't say anything about condemning David Duke or the Ku Klux Klan or any of this stuff. And I mean... Let me back up a little bit because I think that from there's two things going on. The first of which is there is I think it's undeniable to say the media wants to portray those movements as much as possible to make it look like Trump is in bed with these guys. 
Oh, of course. Which I don't think is necessarily the case. Anyway, so I think that the average protester sees and hears things like that, and they think this motherfucker cares more about, you know, uh, David <laughs> pleasing people who like David Duke than he does about making sure that people of color don't get assaulted by the police. And I, I think that that's enough for most protesters to think this guy is just a symptom of the larger problem which is yeah. that America is racist and the police are racist and the state is racist and the state supports the police and the police reinforce the state. And I think, I think that's as far down the line of thinking as, as most protesters go. And mm, that, no, that's, I think that's a really good observation and I agree. And it's funny because I was, I was thinking this, this morning for no reason whatsoever. In fact, the thought occurred to me almost out of context. It was just like, I just thought this thing on its own. And what I thought was, America needs another 9-11 right now. America needs a World War III, but not against itself. Mm. Because we have so we become so unmoored from the issues that really matter in the lives of human beings. Mm. I want to be clear. I'm not saying that it's okay to be racist. Of course I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is that as a human being, I'm so much more concerned with my ability to earn a living, my ability to keep my family safe, my ability to put food on the table, my ability to live without somebody breaking my door down and threatening the people that I love. We are so fucking spoiled, especially people who are like 40 and under, because again, they just haven't, I mean, yes, you've lived through some difficult shit in terms of economics, yeah. but you haven't lived through really anything other than 9-11. And that was a, you know, that was a very short incident that was just over and done. It wasn't like an occupation. I mean, and, and even for me, you know, I can't even picture this because what do you think it was like during World War II when, when we're fighting uh, an opposition and shit, you know, way more about this topic than I do, I'm guessing, mm. you know, you've got a, you've got a, an enemy that is a legitimate threat to beat you. All of the shit that was going down in World War II. Yep. Imagine the weight of that. Of really living through that. Well, it's not just him. I mean, the, the bigger existential threat to the United States came from the Japanese. Right. Um, exactly. Exactly. It, but oh, good point. I, there, there's a few points that you made that I think I want to respond to in, in kind of two or three different ways. One, well, let me let me try to do three three points. The first is that you talking about. I, I understand what you mean. I think what what I think you're trying to say. Is, we need to recalibrate what we should be freaked out about. Yeah, and we should. There's a. Think about there's a you know there's a speech that Ronald Reagan gave once where he was like, imagine how our perceived differences would dematerialize if a threat from another world were to show up on our doorstep. And I think does not such a threat already exist. And the whole point of that was that he was saying if aliens showed up tomorrow and threatened the entire world, everybody would get on the same page really quickly. And, and he's right. Yeah, and I think he is right. And so what that's what I think you're saying. It's like let's that imagine so there's a socially so there's there's man, there's a, there's a whole bunch here. The first thing is that talking about like look, I just want to focus on the well being of my family and not have to think about, you know, all of these racial issues. I think that's Sam Harris's also point. A person of color would say that's white privilege. That's that is your white privilege not having to think about these problems that when a person of color wakes up, they have to think about those problems because being non-white is a condition that has been put on them rather than they've chosen to participate in. And I think that Sam even acknowledges that in his talk where he's like, I, I don't have to think about it. He, no, he, he even did. says no, he said that very clearly. You're right. Yeah. He did. That took me in my life a while to accept, I think. Which is that that it that is white that's what white privilege is and it's difficult for I think white people and especially I think white men maybe to appreciate that because we don't ever think about it it's like you know you, if you're a woman there's a great uh, Dave Chappelle talks about this in the Bird Revelation that he's like one day he made twenty five thousand dollars in a comedy show that was just given to him by a bunch of drug dealers who were trying to launder money they were trying to clean a bunch of money. And they gave him $25,000 cash. And he had to take that at 1 a.m. in New York in the 90s back to Brooklyn on the subway. And, which is like he, was, he thought, I'm going to get killed 
Because, I heard him tell that story. Yeah, it's a great story. And the point that he did, the reason he told that story is he was like, women are walking around with $25,000 between their legs all the time. And to just be a target, to just walk around in life and be a target of stronger um, you know, men who want something from you uh, is terrifying, I think. I mean, when I think, but, but, but male privilege in this sense, and this is where I think, I've argued this with Bill a lot of times, I think that this is where the language of privilege like breaks down because I don't, I don't know that calling it privilege is productive, you know what I mean? I, I guess it is privilege. I, you know, if you look at the technical definition of that word, I guess it is. But I think, you know, I, I don't ever have to think about being vulnerable in the way a woman has to think about being vulnerable. I don't ever have to think about being. Okay, so you have male privilege. So yeah. what do we do about that? Yeah, well, th- that's so the thing. Cut your dick off? Yeah, so that's exactly the thing. Is like, I this is why I was saying I don't think talking about it in the language of privilege is productive necessarily. I think that. What someone, I think that what women would ask, and I think that what, you know, people of color are asking is just understand that because you don't see the world this way or you don't think it's true doesn't mean it isn't true for lots of people. And if we require your buy-in to a reality in which, you know, it is true, just please do that. Just take our word for it. So this is why I think, you know, when my, when my, you know, black comedian friends tell me, yeah, they tell me stories like about when police have hassled them or people have hassled them and I don't ever think about it. I don't, I just don't live in that world. So that's why they say believe women or believe black people, you know, right. believe people of color. And I think that this is why, this is where it becomes really complicated because I don't think the language of privilege is the best way to view this. Um, and, and I don't know that the language of power is also either the best way to view this. And that's somebody who hears that is going to think, well, that's exactly what, you know, a white man would say about this stuff. But I, but I just don't, I think that it, you know, there's a language of inclusivity that's missing from this situation where someone, instead of someone going, well, you have power and I need you to view the world my way so that you let go of some of your power so that I have more safety, I feel like that's such a weird argument for somebody to make. I think the, you know, and again, someone can roll their eyes and think I'm speaking from the, a privileged position, but in, I just feel like it would make more sense to go, look, we all want to feel safe. We all need to feel like the police aren't going to fucking kill us if we move wrong because they start yelling, four, four of them are yelling commands at us, you know, at a single time. Like if somebody made that argument, you know, I 100% agree with it. And... You know, we all need to make sure that our communities are safe, and that means that policing needs to look like these things. I feel like that makes way more sense in terms of an argument than you're privileged, you need to recognize your privilege, you need to check your privilege. Does that make sense? I'm probably going to get in trouble for even saying that shit. No, it makes perfect sense, but— it makes perfect sense, and and I respect what you're saying, but but I'll kind of repeat what I said. Well, let me respond to what you said. The first is I agree with you. I think that we do have white privilege. And whether you call it that or not, it doesn't matter to me because I'm just not hung up on the, you know, there's this, there's this thing in our culture now where, and right now is the absolute pinnacle of it, of, oh my God, did you use that word and not that word? Yeah. Did Did you use the right term or not the right term? term, Dude, you're fucked. You're going to get fired from your job. Like to me, I can't even, my mind can't even go to that place because I'm just laughing at it. I'm fucking laughing at it because- it's a subset of what I said that started this whole line of conversation. I just don't think things are that bad. And I think our priorities are just fucked up and our priorities are fucked up because we don't have bigger priorities that are making us see things clearly. It's like having a hangnail and freaking out about a hangnail when if you had cancer, you don't give a fuck about your hangnail. Yeah, I think it's that's, a that's a poor it, analogy, but you get the point I'm making. It's like a it's softer. That. It's like a more visible, softer target. Yeah, I mean, and, and, and I'm not trying to make light of the fact that it would suck. I'm not for a second suggesting that it wouldn't completely suck if you truly were hassled by the police on a consistent basis. I mean, one of the most powerful things he said in that podcast was the 30 in Los Angeles, 30 year low. low. Yeah, 30, 30 year low. And you just look at the absolute value, just the sheer number of killings. I mean, the. It's crazy low compared to what – like remember in the podcast he said, I, just, I want you to just think 
what you think the number is going to be. Remember, he's like, I want, I want to see what your intuition is, like how accurate your intuition is, because your intuition drives your interpretation of everything. My point simply is if if the worst of the perceptions of the police were correct, then I would totally understand everything. Mm. But the reality is they aren't even close. And again, now we've got this culture that has just amplified everything. And and, you know, when, when he named names, when Harris named names, I mean, he named Van Jones, Don Lemon, uh, Anderson you know, Cooper, he even Anderson named Cooper. Yeah. I mean, he's naming names, which I felt like good for him because, you know, that's how you gain respect of from some people in terms of, hey, I'm not just making a blanket statement. I'm telling you who he gave that quote. Like the, the, the one of the things that really resonated with me the most from that whole podcast was when he was quoting Van Jones, who said, if this ever happens again and, and yeah, and where he was like, he said that there's like it's a gonna happen threat. again. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's going to happen. It has to happen again because because of just the sheer numbers and the fact that we're talking about human beings and the fact that certain number, number of people are going to resist yep. and they're going to go for the gun and the cop's going to do what he's got to do to stay. What's the cop supposed to do? Say, well, fuck. I can't risk, you know, I can't, I can't risk a wrongful death thing here. Go ahead and take my gun and I'll just hope you don't kill me. That's just not realistic. I think the media and social media and social media platforms and also the deliberate action of politicians and political parties and the deliberate yep. action of corporations have tried to fracture the American sense of community that it doesn't feel like any... Yep. Well, my well-being and your well-being are completely independent of each other. And there's a concept of American individualism that has reached its, uh, honestly, its ideological conclusion, which is I'm separated from everybody else around me and they can all burn for all I care. I'm going to work really hard and try to get mine. And that sense, I mean, I've done a, you know, I've, I've, it's like reductio ad absurdum, but that sense is ruining communities and people don't trust each other. And that's really the, that's really where a lot of this is coming from. And so, you know, the, the police are just a one visible immediate target of, of, of this in both directions. I mean, where police meet the people is where the state interacts with people most of their lives, you know, and it's the, it's the physical embodiment of, of law. And it's strange that that's just the case. And this is why there's such a weird focus on it right now. And it almost feels like this is the, you know, the, 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 the earthquake, the, the fault line where all of the tectonics that are going on beneath the surface in terms of our concepts of American community, this is where they're working themselves out. But mm, there's that's a, a, that's a really, that's a really cool way of, of expressing that thought. That's really well said. I like that. Well, that's, I, that's exactly what it is. Yeah, I think that's the case, and it's and and I think Sam Harris is, you know, what he's what he's kind of pleading for in this because you can even sense it in his voice. He's like, oh, absolutely. Like, please just listen to what I'm trying to say. Don't don't take this the wrong way. Don't attack me. Yeah, I mean, I feel sorry for the guy. Well, I do too. I mean, he's going to get attacked, and probably I am also from this things I've said on this podcast. I mean, the the, the trouble with the left in this situation, and, and I can say this as a dyed on the wool liberal you mostly, are. is are. that the left eats its own. The, there is no I, one more susceptible to the arguments of the left than people who are also on the left, and it's it's really that's a, the in conservatives on the right hand side of the aisle do not do the same thing, which is nope. that. They, I mean, they tend to fall in line of their own accord. And there's things that you would, I mean, like Mitt Romney has taken so much flack from everything he's done in the last year, but you know, they don't ever split from the party in that kind of way. Democrats and lefties tend to do that, but then they get attacked ruthlessly by the people on their own side for, for having opinions that are, you know, slightly one degree off. Yeah. Where like, I can say, look, I, I believe that, you know, we should address, like even, I mean, Sam Harris, Sam Harris is going to get vilified for bringing up the fact that statistics from black communities show that black on black crime is a lot worse. Therefore it would draw the attention of more police and law enforcement. I mean, he's going to get, he's going to common sense. Me just mentioning that he said that is exposing me to risk. And that, the, that's the, the point of this conversation that he is absolutely right on, which is that I'm, I'm scared. 
Like I'm scared to say any, there's no value in saying any. And that right. conspiracy of silence is really terrifying. It's just, it's, it's hard to have, I mean, this is what Sam's talking about is it's hard to have a conversation about. Right, because because you're being civil with me right now by not saying what you really think in response to what I just said, and I was going easy on you with what I just said. <laughs> we actually said what we wanted to say. I mean, you and I would survive it, of course we would. But you get my point. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, I, even though it didn't sound like I was being tactful, I was. It didn't sound like it to you, or maybe to anybody else. But I mean, I, I would, you know, my normal mode would be to say, "Are you fucking?" Are you that fucking stupid, dude? Seriously? You really think the that? The New York Times. The New York goddamn Times. <laughs> well, it's funny because Harris mentioned the New York Times a couple times, too. He yep. said, like, in the, he said something like in some idiotic, he said idiotic op-ed piece in the New York Times. And he was speaking generically, like, because there's just so many of those. That's clearly what he was saying. But Well, I mean, like, here's, I mean, let's just talk about this for a second because, I, you know, again, it comes down to this is a t- touchstone for this podcast we, we constantly talk about but i don't know how to touch ground here because i think if look if the new york times isn't to be believed then i can absolutely tell you that an anonymous person dropping whatever into a, a group a message board online is not to be trusted either like it 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 just the the asymmetrical relationship between the 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 likelihood that one of those groups is going to be correct versus the other one just skews so much more toward the New York Times. And you could say I would have agreed with that five years ago and before. But I've just seen so much reporting of things that are just abject lies that I no longer believe that. Mm, mm. I think the New York Times is just completely corrupt. I just really want I mean like this is what it's it's just so insane to me because it feels like and I I think this is true like you were saying earlier you know do you would you rather be con- concerned with your bottom line or you know or or race issues? social justice yeah, issues social justice issues just call them social justice and let me define what I mean by that because I don't even know what the real definition of it is sure but to me a social justice issue is something where it, it does not necessarily I'm not talking about people losing their lives over things I'm talking about perceived slights or slights real or imagined or disadvantages real or imagined, things of that nature. I'm not talking about people getting killed because, of course, I care about that. You know, when Harris mentions, you know, this is this, we're scared to have a conversation, I, I really feel that, man. And I think that c- comedy has been the canary in the coal mine for a while. And it, it, Chappelle just released a new special online. It's called eight minutes forty six seconds, and it was. And you can see how politically charged it is just from the title. But it's yeah. a it's it's a thirty minutes of him doing doing stand up, and I say st- put stand up in air quotes in Ohio. He filmed it outside in front of a bunch of people in his hometown, and it's just him basically talking about. And it it, it does have a couple of really funny moments in it, but it's mostly just him talking about the situation with George Floyd and the situation with race in America. It's worth watching, and he's I mean he's angry, like he's mad. And I think that his anger comes from a few sources and you can kind of read it from him when he's on stage. And I think part of it is he's angry at the police officers who did this. I think he's angry at uh, our, the fact that this shit just keeps happening. I think he's tired of being angry at this stuff. It's, it's fascinating to watch. I would encourage you to do it. Um, but he said in it that he's like conversation and communication is the only way that this is going to we're going to work our way out. And that's the only way comedy is like one of the only places where this can happen anymore. And if we don't have this here, if we're not able to, to talk about this here, we're not able to talk about it anywhere. Right. And, and I think another point that, that uh, Harris made was there's two options, communication or violence. Yeah. Yep. I, I, that's what I'm, that's what I, I feel also in this situation, which is people have to have the ability in the space to be mistaken about things here. That's called free speech. Yeah. Well, yeah. And I think that it's, are it, you going to its funeral? I think it's not, I think it's on Monday. <laughs> this fucking dead. That's for sure. <laughs> oh my God, man. Yeah. They're just, there's definitely, it's like, it's, it's, it's fucking dying. And, there's just no I mean in an, this is why this is so bad. We live in an attention economy where everything has to be talking all the time in order to get any attention at all. Yep. And it, it the, that's it's it's it, there's no space to have a conversation anymore. 
No, and then and that begs the question of like, is this just a temporary thing or is this like the new normal? Because I, I this can't last. It can't last. And I also think when I say it, I mean the the fact that we can't have a conversation. It just can't last. And and I also believe that the cancel culture, which right now is at an all time high. Again, I wrote about this in a blog post I wrote last Thursday when when I, when I made reference to something that Sam Harris talked about in that podcast, which I hadn't heard before I wrote my thing about the you know the LA Galaxy uh, soccer player. Oh who yeah, was his, his fired for his wife, Serbian wife, who tweeted something in Serbian, and what she tweeted was completely inappropriate. I mean, it was bad. I admit that. I'm not defending what she said, but what I am defending is the fact that if we're now responsible for the actions of other people, yeah, like, I mean, I'm, uh, I yeah. mean, are you gonna yeah. are you gonna yeah. lose your job? Because if a man, like that? yeah, if a man can lose his job so. because if a man can lose his job because of something his wife said, you're Wrong. opening the door to all kinds. I'd be mean, welcome back to the world of domestic violence because if your choices are hitting your wife or losing your job. I, I mean that's insane. Uh, oh, dude! Oh, that's hilarious. Now I'm oh. gonna get now I'm gonna get attacked for advocating that just because I mentioned <clears throat> well, it. I I hope Ali does a good job and captures that quote <laughs> on its own, no, no context. Like, yeah, fuck yes, I'm gonna hit my wife. Uh, how do you think I come, dude? Ah, <clears throat> <laughs> uh, alrighty then. I wish I had a rim shot queued up. I I think I do. I just don't know which button it is, but um. <laughs> But no, for real. I mean, that is if that doesn't send a chill up your spine. I mean, come on. I don't care who you are. Oh, um, I shouldn't say that because I'm sure there are people who are cheering that. But if you think that that's okay, then you're fucked up. If you think a person should lose their job because of something their spouse said online. I mean, that is madness. So outrageous. Because, again, who can – then probably 40% of the world should lose its job. Yeah. And unfortunately, 40% of the world already lost its job because of fucking Corona. So now we're down to like 20% of working. (laughs) I mean, like this is exactly, but I mean, this is what, How can Biden lose? Yeah, but this is what like, you know, this is what Sam Harris has been talking about for a while, which is that you're, you know, you're guilty by association and, that it doesn't require a lot for somebody to just go, well, you talk. I mean, people do this to Sam all the time. They go, well, you spoke with, you know, Stefan Molyneux and Stefan Molyneux talks to actual white supremacists. So you're a white supremacist. So he can't talk to people now? Yeah, that's exactly Sam Harris's point, which is he's like, Sam's like, look, I don't want to talk with actual white supremacists because there's nothing for me to say to them. They're we're on different pages and we're not going to learn anything from each other. But Stephen Molyneux is somebody who has a foot in either camp, and he's a guy who Sam actually wanted to talk to about some of his his thoughts and beliefs and things. And that's not the same thing as giving, you know... Uh, the fact da- that you're even saying this horrifies me. The what fact you- that you're even saying, like, it's normal and okay that some people would be mad at Sam Harris because he spoke to somebody? Oh, yeah, dude, I mean... What? Yeah, I, it's it's that out of control. Well, I mean, it depends on what you mean by out of control, but there's definitely not a you lot. You should have the right to speak to whoever you want, whenever you want. Isn't that just life? Isn't that? Are we only supposed to talk to people who agree with us? Well, I mean, I don't know what the concept of having a free country is if you're guilty by just by exactly com- you know by committing thought crime or or guilt by association. I mean, that it doesn't make any sense to me to. I don't think that's what anybody really wants to live in. But it's it is politically advantageous to leverage that for some people when they can, which is just despicable. Well, I think that like what what this is. a, I mean, we could talk about this for a long time, but the part of what I think has gotten really messed up in life is that we've we've entered a time in which for some reason all of our personal lives are now lived out publicly and as politicians Yep. We have to be constantly impression managing, and that's a result of social media. But this kind of shit was sort of happening before that really happened even, but it just got really bad now that social media also yes, you know, happened. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like if you were to draw a curve, and I, I don't know how to describe this quickly, but basically, you know, we've gone – like 95% of this phenomenon that you're describing 
has happened in the last, I'll say, 18 months. Yep. That's about what it is where, I mean, social media has been around a lot longer, of course, but the, the, for it to get to the place where it is now where, you know, people are going, like we talked about this on another podcast we did recently about the dude who got fired from Saturday Night Live because somebody went back and audited, you know, his, the totality of his tweet of his tweet stream or whatever he, whatever he said. Yeah, that was Shane Gillis. Yeah, Shane Gillis. The fact that that's now the norm. You know, the fact that I have to believe like that happens, everybody who gets hired anywhere, somebody's, there's a, somebody has a job now, which is, hey, whoever we hire, we're thinking about hiring this person. Would you go audit everything they've ever said online? Yeah, go vet them to make sure that they're yeah. able to be, it, the, the whole thing is really fucking weird and it, I don't like it. I'm thinking about deleting my Facebook for the, exactly that reason, which is that I just don't, I, I just don't see any continued value in, in having it. Uh, it just feels so. It just feel. It just feels like it's a liability. Exactly. I was just gonna say that exact word. I was gonna say it's become nothing but a potential liability. And you know, I don't know if people know that you were in the clan, but I mean, I didn't. <laughs> I mean, you know me. I. You can trust me. I'm kidding. You're still in it. <clears throat> I didn't mean to use past tense. How do you think I know who David Duke is? <laughs> Dude, everybody knows who. See, it's because of your age that you think everybody doesn't know that. I mean, everybody over the age of like forty would know David Duke. <laughs> um, but you, you know, in all seriousness, I, I mean, I, I'm not anywhere close to deleting my Facebook account. But there's only there's only be so much of this. We're firing everybody for everything that's going to happen. At some point, people are going to realize how ridiculous it is. They will. It, it won't continue like it is. I think right now it's at its fever pitch. I'm not saying it's peaked yet, but I think it'll peak within the next month or two, literally. I just don't think it, it just can't continue. It just can't. It's ridiculous. At some point, people will wake up and realize, you know, there's a famous there's a famous quote from the Bible. Let he who is without sin cast, cast the, the first, first stone. stone. Yeah. I mean, and, and so many people are so sanctimonious and so so willing to destroy another person's life when they know that they themselves are just as guilty, if not more so, of equally, if not worse, transgressions. And, you know, there's, there's a fundamental that is, that is, I personally think it's much more uh, aligned with the liberal point of view. And I said this, I think, once before, that people inherently believe in one of two things at their very foundation. They either believe that there is a God or that there's not a God. People who believe that there is a God tend to understand the, the the fallible nature of human beings, the fact that we are we are not perfect. The Bible says it over and over. And I mean, just look around. You don't need to believe in the Bible to just look the fuck around and see what's going on. I mean, everybody's everybody's screwed up in some level or lots of levels. If you're honest with yourself, every person knows that. So there's that camp. Then the other camp is the people that don't believe in God. And if there is no God, then all you can believe in is people. That's mm. all you got. That's mm -hmm. your only option. So there's an inherent bias, if you're one of those people, to believe that perfection is somehow possible on a human level. And there are, of course, exceptions to this, what I'm saying on both sides. But I'm saying down the middle, I think most people who don't believe in God inherently think that somehow perfection or near perfection is possible for people. And therefore, it is appropriate to measure people by that standard, mm. which is ridiculous. Mm. And that goes back to something Sam Harris again about the, I already said this once, about the, you know, if we're going to sit around and think that we're never going to have another shooting that's going to be captured on film. Yep. I mean, come on. How dumb are you? It's going to happen. And, if you know, well, shit, didn't it just happen last night in Atlanta? Yeah, I mean, it, it looked like it did. I can't even keep track. Yeah, let's, right not, even, let's not even like, open the door to that. My point is, it already happened. Yeah, and, and it's so, gonna. I, I mean, it's just there's too many operators. You know, there's just too yeah. many players in the game. And I think that and, I, I want to say this based on what you just said is I think that the the habit of forgiveness and the habit of recognizing that one's own self is imperfect and is mm -hmm. is not without flaws. I think that is so important that the the worst atrocities in all of human history have all been due to the idea that there is a a, a right group of people or a right type of person and anybody who's not those things is going to get, we're going to get rid of them. 
and we're going to eliminate them. We're going to get them out of the way. We're going to whatever you want to, and, and that whether that's fascism or nationalism or the fervor, the terror and the French Revolution, like all of that is, it, that's where that a lot of that comes from. And I think that, I think that, that, and I'm not, I'm saying that before somebody jumps to the conclusion and thinks I'm like accusing protesters of that. I'm absolutely not doing that. If you listen to the last podcast, I'm, I'm on the side of much many things that are going on. But the point of me saying that is that there's a tendency, and Sam Harris talks about this in the podcast also, is that there's a tendency for these people to not really recognize the reality of the situation, that there's there's a lot of truths and realities that someone would have to accept that they don't want to accept, that, look, it's just difficult. You know, there's too many players in the game. There's going to be another video, period. You know, you can't, 1% of the population are sociopaths and a small number of those people are psychopaths. And some of those people end up as police officers. There's just, there's no way that that's going to ever be gotten rid of. There's no system so perfect that we, that we, we will ever achieve, you know, zero. But I mean, I don't think that that is an argument for not improving it. I think that we're on the same page there, but people's passions get up and understandably so the problem is that passion has never been a good substitute for reason. Nope. And it's and it's it's it, you know the the road to hell is paved with good intentions, and yep. I think that those are really important bits of wisdom that I don't think anybody is talking about right now. <laughs> well, Sam Harris is. Well, yeah, Sam Harris is, and he and probably I now I'm going to catch huge amounts of shit for it. Can't wait to find out what opportunities I miss out on in the future for people painting me with a br- brush so broad it makes me look like the person I'm not from this podcast. Well. I think you do a really good job of couching things, you know, um, sadly, you know, lots of, t- you spend lots of time doing it. <laughs> I don't, I don't spend much time, but I, but whatever. I, I think again, the trend that is terrifying us at the moment is going to pass. I really do. I mean, will, will things get worse before they get better? Yeah, I, I think they will. But I think we're just at this crazy, you know, hysteria pitch at the moment that, once the election's over, uh, I think that things are going to – the opposition won't stop, as I already said, but the method of dealing with it will. And I think while that will enrage a lot of people, it will actually have a calming effect, not immediately. But you know, I think that what's happening now is just throwing gas on the fire in terms of, hey, let's let a, a sovereign nation be founded on six – blocks in downtown seattle and just I, let, leave it alone I, it's by the uh, way i just heard about that like literally like i just heard about that earlier today i i really don't know anything about it but that sounds what? insane and uh and yeah they got their own thing going it's and, called uh, jazz that's so stupid <laughs> the whole thing is stupid because they're already like running out of food and shit and you know they're they've erected a wall they have they're strict on checking oh, ids man. in and out i mean they're everything they hate they that's what they've Instantly became, it's, and it's, it's hilarious. It sounds so insane to me. It's like every group that it believes that there's some kind of like serious, like whatever they accuse the other side of, they end up doing themselves. It just feels like oh, that happens yeah. over and over again. It happens on all sides of the aisle. Like it just, you guys want to, you know, you want to take away our ability to blank, and then as soon as they get power, they're like, okay, we're gonna take away. Thing. Yeah, it's, yeah. I it's told nuts. you the story before about a guy I used to work with who was like the most militant anti-management person I ever met. Like his whole, his whole attitude was basically, you know, workers get fucked everywhere. And then I formed a business with him Mm -hmm. and he instantly, I mean, when I say instantly, I mean like in week one of the business, he became the exact person he had spent a year telling me he hated. (laughs) Oh man. (laughs) Oh my God. How much are we going to pay her? And I'm like, dude, we're going to pay her exactly what we've been, what she had been paid. I mean, we, we told her we were paying her this. Well, I don't know. I just think it's a little bit high. Well, oh my God. <laughs> last week you would have made the exact opposite argument yeah. before you were the one signing the checks. Yeah. When you sign the checks, everything changes. But that's just another example of what your point is, which is, yeah, it's just hilarious how, how often – People criticize something. Then the minute that they end up in the same spot that they were criticizing, they do the exact same or worse. 
yeah. of what they were criticizing. Oh my gosh, man! This, they just—they were ignorant. Ignorance is the problem. I I agree, and a lack of, and a and really a lack of. I mean, critical reasoning skill. There you go. Same thing, which is really the same thing. Not really. Those are two different things. For me, it's like there's the the ability to process information. That's critical reasoning. And then there's a willingness to accept it, which is, I think, a whole different thing. I don't know what to call that. Just, you know, just a closed mind mentality. Mm. I mean, if, like I said before, if, if, if the whole world or all of America just listened to that Sam Harris podcast that is the, every, which has been the genesis of this entire conversation, I just think that it would shock some people. And I, I would hope some percentage of those people would change the way they look at things because this whole thing is built – the whole argument of this whole police brutality, racism thing, it's a house of cards. Mm. At its core, it is. Uh, taking Sam Harris at his word, which I do, because the guy seems so thoughtful and so careful, and I don't think he was exaggerating anything. Why would he? That'd be the last thing he would do. Yep. If anything, he understates shit. My feeling about this is what I said in the last show, which is that just America is not going to be capable of doing a hell of a lot of valuable anything socially as long as this continues to be an issue. I agree. But I, I think that at the bottom bottom line is I have confidence in America. I really do. I mean, this is a really unprecedented time and all these things happening with you laugh at conspiracy theories, but I would just say to anybody who thinks like you do, and maybe I'm exaggerating that slightly, but if you think all the events that have played out in the last six months are happening organically, I mean, I, I would bet my life on that, literally. Mm. I would put, put a gun to my head right now, and if I'm wrong, go ahead and blow my head off because I know I'm right. Mm. I know some of this, I'm not saying all of it, some of this is manufactured for political reasons because it just you just could not have this flow of events happen organically where COVID-19 is just – 98% of the space written in the news is devoted to that topic but then it just disappears because mm. we got a new topic that's even better. <laughs> race yeah. war. Race wars. Oh, my God. We thought the pandemic was going to be hot. If you thought Michael Jackson's last CD was awesome, wait till you <laughs> see what Prince just dropped. <laughs> basically what we're living through right now. Is, oh, man. Oh, we got, oh, this is better. Over This is way better here. This will, <laughs> we'll have people literally burning each other's houses down with this one. Yikes! Uh, I feel like we should probably wrap this we've, we've, before before there's even more guilt by association with me for you. <laughs> How much do you love your your uncle? Uh, enough to risk my future career of anything? Oh, dude, your career's <laughs> over. Just, you just don't know it yet. It oh, takes a man. while. It's like cooking. You know, it just takes a while to percolate. <laughs> Goodness gracious. Uh, <laughs> All right. Uh, this has been. Right. We went. This is an interesting conversation. We didn't plan on any of this, and I feel like we actually talked about some yeah. some some relevant stuff. I need to look into this Chaz thing because this this is this is this is nuts. This is just so it's nuts. It's a pretty shallow topic. It won't take you long. There's just not much to it. You know. I mean, basically, you already know everything that's happening. It's just now. You know, how long will it last? How will it end? I've seen several different shows where people make predictions about that in terms of you know. A military because there's there's a bunch of people who are defending it with weapons. Mm. So you know, at a certain point, and Trump is already putting pressure on whomever, like the the the, the uh, I'm not sure if it's the mayor of Seattle. I think it is the mayor of Seattle. Yeah. Basically, her her description of it is it's like a block party, a summer block party with good vibes. She said at one point, I believe. What the fuck? No, I'm, I'm, that's an actual quote. <laughs> It's gonna be. I think she said it's gonna be like the summer of love. What the fuck? No, That's... I'm serious. Oh it's, my it's god! Serious? How outrageous it is! I just what a that has to be. That has to be a white girl protester who said that. That just that no, sounds no, so. No, no, this is the mayor. The mayor said that. The mayor said that. What the fuck? Or the governor? I don't know which is which. It's a female. Oh my god! There's a guy named Ensley. See, I don't follow this. Jay shit. Ensley. A... He's the governor. Yeah. Okay, then it's the mayor who said it. Oh she's a woman. Yeah, she's, so she's a her. white woman who's the mayor of Seattle. Yep. Uh, I just that sounds like such a Jenny Duncan or Durkin. Yeah. Yeah, that that's her. Oh my god, that she that just sounds like such a entitled, 
statement that only that statement is so entitled only a white woman could have made it. <laughs> I don't think it was entitled. I don't think that's the right word for it. I think that she's trying to make light of a situation that's really horrific and make it seem like it's no big deal because she doesn't, you know, her hyper liberal politics. I mean, she's in a no win position. Yeah, she lets it true. go on. And, you know, you got six blocks of one of the top 10 cities in America that are just out of order yeah. and unusable and people Yeesh. are businesses are being extorted oh this uh, is like, just total madness and there was nothing that like trump supporters and even non-trump supporter conservatives would love to see more than uh the national guard roll in to bust that the fuck up they would be i just there could be I, Pornhub would be filled with compilations of, oh i could i could jack off to that <laughs> but i don't want to see it I really don't want to see it. Yeah, no, I don't think anybody. I don't. This is not the kind of country we want to live in. Is one in which things like that have to happen. Well, and and that's the key word right there. I'm glad you said that because do you just let that go forever? I mean, yeah. you, you have you have people who's imagine if you have a business inside that zone, it's dead. No, who's you? You can't even get to it. I just how much harder can it be to operate a fucking business in America right now? <laughs> Just how oh, yeah. how much harder can it? What, yeah. What else can we do to just make it impossible for a business to function normally? Oh my god. <laughs> well, I, and I'm being serious because, and let's end on this note because this is this is what's coming next. This is the next thing. I mean, not this is not my prediction. I've just seen it a bunch of places. I happen to agree with it. It is okay. So we had COVID nineteen. We threw that to the side because we got the better option of race war. And then once we get past that, we're going to go back and, oh, my God, look at the resurgence of COVID-19. Oh, yeah, that's happening for sure. Back up. Yeah, spiking back up for sure already. And so that's next. And uh, and then there'll be the election. Trump will win. And those narratives are just going to disappear because they didn't work. And then there'll be new narratives that will be spun. And at that point, I think that's when that's when I think the Trump will show his most aggressive, which I know Sam Harris talked a lot about. People of his thinking and yours fear that like that's what we really fear of him is mm. that he's but I would suggest, OK, put yourself in charge. Yeah. What, what else is he supposed to do? What's he supposed to do? Just let it go. Yeah. I, I mean, in a way, you're kind of like, what's the point? The president's supposed to exist to to he means the executive. He's, he's supposed to exist that's his to job. reinforce law and order. Yeah, I mean, if you have people who are local, like the governor and mayor of, you know, the, the, the mayor of Seattle, the governor of, of Washington, if they're just going to let it go, I mean, and you have U.S. citizens who, who, I mean, six blocks of a major city, that's a lot of businesses there yep. who are paying top dollar rent and probably have some great businesses. I mean, there's probably, you know, some just amazing places that are just out of business and they've got people just roaming around outside with machine guns and shit. How long do you leave those people? I just, what is the point of, we should, I, I mean, know. this is what I'm no, talking I, about. I just can't understand why the fuck anybody thought that that would be a good idea, you know? Because I just think there's a certain population of people right now who are hell-bent on rebellion for the sake of rebellion. They couldn't even articulate it if they had to in terms yeah. of, well, what's your, give, give me your logic for this. Well, fuck America. <laughs> fuck Trump. <laughs> Fucking Trump. Are you serious? Are you actually asking me that question? Are you? F oh, my God. Who is this? Get this fuck out of here. I mean, I that's to, how that conversation I, 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 I need to go look up to see if if, if oh, the Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone already has a Wikipedia article. This is unbelievable. All right. Oh, we got to end this because we're just going to go down the rabbit hole of me researching it uh, live. But... Uh, oh, all right, everybody. Well, thanks for listening. To <laughs> thanks for listening was... to this this shit. <laughs> if the world ends before we can, you know, make another podcast, well, we'll see you wherever we see you or not. Maybe we don't. I don't know. Anyway, good luck, America. You're going to need it. <laughs> <laughs> Take care, everybody. See ya.